Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of the Warhammered podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Parker, joined, joined, joined by <laughs> my co-host, Jonas. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you all. How you been, bud? Uh, usual. Work, life, <sighs> you know, Work living... Life. Balance. Getting raw dogged by, you know, life. Global warming. Global warming, that's a new one. Yeah. Wait. Ugh, sorry. I took a big uh, I took a big sip of like my drink and like I had to recover for a second. I didn't have the words just yet. <laughs> ah. So yeah, um so today we're gonna go and talk about my boys, the Imperial Fists. So, oh gosh, here we go. What, Specific chapter this time. Yeah, what do, you, what do you know about them? I just know that they have like the Mongolian uh, Mongolian stepbrider aesthetic. That's all I know. That's literally all I know. You are absolutely wrong. You're thinking of the white scars. Oops. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, so with the Imperial Fists, think... Think of, like, when you think Imperial Fists, two words should come to mind. Like, they, they come to mind for me, at least, when I think about them, is defense. Uh, fist, fisting. And then stubbornness. Fisting. So, like, the, the Imperial Fists, they're known for being very stubborn, stalwart kind of defensively inclined soldiers, stubborn kind of stalwart defenders of the Imperium. They're, they specialize in defense, siegecraft, uh, ground war, ground, uh, and space warfare. They're kind of like, kind of balanced in that, but they definitely trend towards like sieges and holding positions and shit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, their color scheme is bright yellow with black um, and sometimes white accents. Mm -hmm. They're a fleet-based chapter, so they sort of don't have a homeworld, but they have a special relationship with Terra, so it's kind of like their homeworld at times. Mm -hmm. And they're one of the original 20. Uh, yeah, they're one of the original 20, so they're one of the most respected, and they have like a massive list of battle honors and credits and characters so i had to kind of prune it down a little bit mm -hmm. and they if there's been a major conflict of a sort you've prob there's probably been an imperial fist or imperial fist successor that has been involved in like the past ten thousand years all right all right that sounds cool so here's what they look like you know they got They're the cool. oh yeah. damn that's that's hard <laughs> Yeah, I paint. I've got the. I've got them. I painted them. Uh, they have like. They have different like color coding combinations for like the edges of their shoulder pads. But it's supposed to like the different colors represent different like companies. So, but most people I think usually do them either black or red because black is easier. Red is like more visually interesting. So black is like I think first company. Red is like the third company usually. And then they haven't changed too much from what they look like during the the 
Great Crusade, Horus Heresy. They've still got the yellow and black going for them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Looks pretty sick, though. I like the shield. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that, that later. So cool. They're so They like them shields. So... Uh, before the Imperial, before the Imperial Fists like kind of even had their name, they were mm-hmm. already kind of distinguishing themselves with how they conducted themselves on the battlefield. Like, yeah, yeah. aside from like being really good at the siege stuff, it was also they were also very practical about how they go about things. Like other yeah. legions, like Space Wolves or whatever, you know, they they go in and they would fuck shit up. And then they would leave. Mm-hmm. And then it would be like, congrats, you're part of the Imperium. Go put out your own fires. We're oh, out of here. Because they're always like looking for the next fight. It, it, it's like that scene from Spongebob. Where Spongebob and Patrick are like, we saved the city. And the city's like fucking on fire around them. Oh god. Yeah, it was like, oh god. welcome to the Imperium. And then like your house is on fire. With the Imperial Fist, it would like, they, they always made an effort to kind of rebuild a little bit and to fortify their positions mm. on the, the planet. And yeah. they, they would always kind of set up like a small outpost so that they could always come back and that they could, like, they could come back and be like, okay, we'll go to our outpost and then they'll brief us on everything that's happened while we're gone. And we can, like, get, get up to speed. We can get, get operational quicker. Things like that. And so, very few planets that they t- that they took over would rebel. And any time that like some kind of force would try to take the planet back, the fists would like hold it tenaciously, like not back down. They would fucking fight for every inch of it. Jeez. Yeah, to the point that some people describe that like when they held a planet, it's as if the e- the emperor's fist itself was like on that planet personally and so that's kind of where they got their name jeez yeah and yeah yeah you must be freaking hardcore to get that name <laughs> yeah and they were also very kind of like flex uh flexible and like practical you know mm-hmm. like you got your blood angels your space wolves your world eaters who are like oh the enemy's charging at us we're gonna charge back and like engage in melee combat or it's like, or they'd be like, oh, the past two melee assaults didn't work. Maybe it'll work this time. So they fucking go in for melee again. Whereas the the fists are, were very practical. They were like, okay, all right, the enemy's coming to us. We have defensive positions. We have the high ground. We'll shoot at them. We'll soften them up with artillery and tanks. And then if we have to fight them in melee, we'll take them on. Oh, Same thing with attacking. They're like, oh, I'm not going to fucking charge at you with a hammer across open ground. I'm going to shoot at you. Or th- but, at least but at least they're smart enough about it. Yeah. Though. They're like, I'm going to shoot at you, or I'm going to call in an artillery barrage, and then I'll charge at you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone's going to fucking fight in melee. So, like, they, 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 they were all, you know, they were all about, like, practical and fighting efficiency efficiently never really taking unnecessary risks mm-hmm. and you know because because for them a lot of time it's like what's the point of like capturing the city or capturing the fortress if like i've got five men left after and i can't even hold it you know 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. And almost perfectly, Roguldorn, their Primarch, grew up in circumstances that kind of gave him the same attitude. So he he was discovered on this planet called Inwin. Mm-hmm. Which was a a death world that was pretty much frozen over. Like it was oh, God. like imagine Alaska every day for the rest of your life. Cold, barren, can barely you can't grow crops there. So it's like survive it it wasn't it was like all right, everyone's gotta work together. We all gotta fucking chip in. Pull pull your what you call it? Pull your weight. Yeah, everyone's gotta pull their weight. Yeah. Like you gotta be practical, pragmatic, and like kinda keep a level head about how you're going about things, or else you're gonna die. Or you'll get someone killed. <laughs> wow, um, that's some Westworld stuff, man. I don't know if I can say that, but yeah. <laughs> Is it West? You know what? I haven't watched Westworld. Well, the new one. I watched well, some of the old movies. Same, but nothing beats Firefly. <laughs> They're okay. Those are not. Those are very different genres. It's the same thing. Okay, no, same genre, very different concept. <laughs> it's basically West. It's basically Wild West punk in space. Uh, uh, I guess. Don't I mean, you dare! Don't you dare! <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Fuck it, fine, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Rogel Doran. He he had like I read up about it compared to some of the other Primarchs. He had a very boring childhood. It's like, yeah, really? it's an icy death world, but, like, he had a family. He had a grandfather. He had a grandfather that, like, even though when it became incredibly obvious that Rogel Dorn was not related to him by blood, probably when, you know, the Primarch grew up and he was, like, 16 feet tall. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, like, I read about, about it, and, like, they were close, and he always cherished his memory to the point that, like, even when Rogel Dorn was old he still he 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 slept uh he he always kept um his grandfather's coat by his bedside when he slept oh, wow. yeah he had a blankie until he <laughs> oh god yeah and a 16 foot demigod had a blankie i mean <laughs> like it just goes to show that like he had a very boring stable no, i don't think it's boring i comparing to everyone else it is a normal childhood. You cannot, you cannot, um, you cannot downplay that, man. I guess. Like, yeah. Looking at all the other primarchs, from uh, what I know, man. Oh yeah. Oh, what's his face? Come on, Conrad Kurz of the Night Lords yes. when he landed, yes, and Lord. people were like, "Oh, look, food!" And they had to fucking kill him. Yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> See, fine. I told you, Rogel Doring right now. Just what you told me. That's okay. a fucking normal childhood. Okay, not boring, I guess. Just wholesome-ish wholesome yeah despite him being like what 16 feet tall at the age of like what 12 i don't know i mean there was still conflict you know there were other tribes but eventually dorn was able to kind of like unite the the planet he united the tribes and then eventually they were able because they hadn't lost all of their technology it's just that everything was so hostile to them that they couldn't like couldn't really consolidate until he got there and they eventually like started spreading out to the other planets mm -hmm. within the sector 
This is where he found, where they found the phalanx. This giant oh. space station that is the largest known man-made object in space in 40k. Like, you know those battleships that are like 8 kilometers long? Yep. They can dock and they this thing can dock multiple of them inside of it Jesus. with no problem. So they found it just in space. Yeah, they found it. They prepared it, brought it back up, operational, cleared it out, you know, things like that. And so when the emperor showed up, Dorn was like ready, standing at the bridge of the phalanx with his own fleet, greeting the emperor. <laughs> like, Damn. The end immediately the Primarch, he like Dorn like swore loyalty to the Emperor. There was no issues. Uh, this is him, like kind of what he looks like. So Damn. He, he's got he's always had that like blonde, almost a point of white hair. Very like strong features. The man looks like he's got a brick for a chin. Like, man, he looks like one of those hardcore um um, like in those in those wartime movies, one of those hardcore uh, sergeants. Yeah, he's like the sergeant that like he, he sometimes he reminds me of the fucking I think the lieutenant or the sergeant or whatever from Avatar. Just that like tough, uh, that grizzled did, veteran. Did you watch the latest one? Is it out already? I think so. Uh, I don't. I haven't watched it. Uh, well, we live in a country where everything is free by you know standard so it's not pirating it's privateering <laughs> so yeah, it's private yeah anyway yeah um so dorn when he met his legion they meshed together really well and in th they integrated with each other both like his you know his legion and then like his home world and shit like they integrated a lot quicker and easier than some of the other Primarchs did. Mm -hmm. And, like, was, like, to the point that Dorne didn't really speak to them until the end of their first campaign. Because he, because he, he was like, okay, everything, everything was done fine, I didn't really need to say anything, but from here I guess we can keep learning from each other. That was literally it. It was like, like, imagine you meet him, and for, like, a year or so, he just doesn't talk to you. At the end of it, he's like, that was not bad. We can, we can, we can keep going. <laughs> that was how, that was how they first met. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if it's a lack of trust, or he knows that they're competent, competent enough to do it. I, I think it's kind of like the, the thing with Einstein, right? I think... Einstein, he what he didn't say his first words till till he was like six or something. But that's because like his soup was too hot, and then when they asked him why, he's like, I mean, everything else had been fine until now, so I didn't really see the need. I think that was that's kind of how I think about it. He's just like, you guys are doing well enough. I don't need to tell you what to do. <laughs> so, you know, after then, you know, they they continued campaigning around. Eventually culminating in the campaign at Olinor, which is like one of the biggest battles of the Great Crusade. There was this massive warband that had gathered in the Olinor system, and it was literally wow. trillions of orcs. And oh. the Emperor himself 
led a battle alongside the 10,000 custodies and the and then almost like at least a hundred thousand of the imperial fists fought alongside the emperor like on the Ulanor campaign. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah. And that's efficiency to its max. Yeah. Uh is the same place where after the fighting was done, Emperor went and made an announcement that like he was gonna return to Terra to work on some special project and Horus was gonna be the war master so everyone would take orders from him. Hmm, oh, I wonder where that went. Oh well, you know, at the time they didn't think that things would end up the way they did. Uh, Dorne? Uh, some of the other Primarchs were kind of jealous. They were like, of course oh. they were. You know, although Horus was always, like, kind of... He was the first... The golden boy. Yeah, he was the golden boy. He was the first son. He was really good at getting along with everybody, so the ones who were jealous were like, I want it to be me, but you know what? He is qualified, so I'll, I'll go and do it. Dorne? Dorne was like, okay, Cool. He's qualified. Cool. I have no issues with this. And then when the Emperor announced he was going to go back to Terra, he was like, the Imperial Fists are coming with me to, like, rebuild Terra, basically. Like, rebuild to build the Imperial pa Palace. And Dorne was like, cool. Alright. No problem. Whereas, like, other Primarchs probably would have been like, fuck, you're taking me out of the fight? Fuck that. Gonna, like... So... That's like, by the book. Like, by the book. Yeah, dude, the guy's like, I've received my orders. I will follow them. Like, like a programmed assassin. Almost like a robot in some ways. Like, he's described as being very stoic, but very, like, cautious, calculating, but also bluntly honest. So... I mean, that's, like, basically the perfect soldier. Yeah, but it can definitely rub some people the wrong way. Um, there's, like, they have this famous, they, there was this famous rivalry that developed with the Fists and Dorne against the Iron Warriors led by Perturabo. Because Perturabo, yeah, Perturabo was like, because they both specialize in similar things, like siege stuff, but then Perturabo, because he's a petulant man-child, he would was very jealous of all the praise. <laughs> he was jealous of all the praise that Dorne was getting, even though Dorne didn't really care. <laughs> and, and like, apparently one of the conversations that sparked Perturabo to hate Dorne was, like, you know, the Primarchs were all hanging out as a bunch of brothers, and then one of them was like, hey, Dorne, if, uh, if... If you had to hold a castle and the Iron Warriors had to take it, do you think do you think Perturabo could take it? And Dorne was just like, no. <laughs> With like no explanation. He was like, no, they could. Yeah. And that was it. And Perturabo was like furious. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, a, what a child, dude. Yeah, it's literally like the, the, the crying dude and the Chad. <laughs> like memes. <laughs> yeah, I... Cal, Cal the Chad, Emperor <laughs> <laughs> Chad, Dorn, and the fucking crying Perturabo. Oh god! But it's definitely one of those things that like could probably like rub some people the wrong way. You know, like if you're honest to the point of being blunt, people are not. Not everyone's gonna be okay with that. So, 
Yeah, he had rivalries with the Iron Warriors, the Alpha Legion. Uh, him and the Alpha Legion did not get along because he was just like, your way of war is dishonorable and inefficient because like it would take them forever to do their spy shit. Others were like, um, like Horus himself was like, if I had to attack a castle that Dorne was holding, the fight would go on till the end of time because like, I couldn't, it would be an, was it an unrelenting force against an immovable object was like kind of what Horus was getting at. And others like Gilliman were like, if uh, like Gilliman was known for saying that, like if he could hold the Imperium with, as long as he had a couple of other Primarchs, especially Dorne on his side, like if Dorne wasn't there and the fists weren't there, the Imperium would have, a lot harder time just fucking existing and like surviving shit you know <laughs> i mean that's that's the basis for respect amongst themselves but like when you think about it in like a militaristic and i don't know sense they they know they can depend on him for something mm. i'd say the only kind of person one of the one of the personality traits that dorn had was he was very stubborn and when he got mad he got mad like, <laughs> like you know how you know how there's, the, you know the memes of like don't bully the quiet kid, because you yeah, never know what the quiet yeah. kid's gonna do when he snaps. It was like one of those things. Oh God, I want to know, man. This is terrifying already. Yeah, I mean, staring at his mug right now is like, uh, I don't. That's someone I don't want to piss off. No, that's what he looks like. Oh, that's so. I love his his armor. And his giant two-handed chainsword. So, um, one of the things, like his stubbornness, is one of the things that probably almost cost them a lot of lives in the heresy. Because Doran and the Fists were actually some of the first to learn about Horus's betrayal. Because when when Horus started started his rebellion, some loyalists from Horus's legion like escaped to try to like get the word out and when they like they got to Terra and they were like talking to Dorne and they were telling Dorne about what was happening Dorne was like shut up that's not possible my brother's loyal you are probably lying if you don't you you are you're lying and you're bringing shame to your legion for talking about him that way shut up and like you know, the, the space marines who were trying to warn him, like, kept pushing it. And so he almost beat the messenger to death. Oh, God. Until, like, uh, finally, like, more evidence eventually, like, came came about. And he was like, okay, I believe you. He, I think he actually apologized. Which is, oh, like, wow. imagine a Primark apologizing. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I think he actually, like, apologized. And then it was immediately like, okay, we have work to do. So they, like... Uh, he half of the Imperial Fists set out. They call they formed a vengeance fleet, hoping to like preemptively like strike at the traitors. And then the rest of the Legion stayed on Terra and started like fortifying it and like building it higher and higher, putting more and more guns, you know, planning for the inevitable siege. Um Was there a game based on the Horus Heresy? Just just, just There there is the tabletop. Um, for the, the games, I know there's a bunch of shitty, like, mobile games, but 
so far like a Dawn like, of like, War type, not not Dawn not of yet. War. I'm, uh, the Horus Heresy, just saying. Yeah, uh, you can quote me on this, guys. Would be fun as a Deathwing type of game. Oh, you have like that that just giant like you have those massive scale battles where you're trying to yeah, dude. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind that. That'd be cool. And the sp- and uh, it's either that or Space Marine, but more on FPS instead of hack and slash. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind either. Anyway, way uh, back. Oh yeah. Okay. So Vengeance fleets. They sent out their fleet. Um, it was ambushed by the Iron Warriors in this one system. So they were kind of like trading blow for blow, fighting, oh, trying to like, like the the Iron Warriors were trying to contain them. The fists were trying to like get out. Um, eventually, like they broke the stalemate. The fists fleet kind of scattered. So like. And because at the same time, there were all these crazy warp storms because of chaos. So some of the fleet was like scattered to the to the galaxy. So they were kind of like, okay, we just will take the fight to whoever we can. Other fleets were like, like some of the fleets ended up in Ultramar with the Ultramarines. So like the fists spread out there and were like, you ultra, you ultra pansies don't really know how to defend. We'll. We'll teach you how to fortify your worlds. Oh God! <laughs> and then some, yeah. And then some ended up back on Terra. Um, so the fists were kind of like, they were the first line of defense when eventually, like, the battles for the solar system started happening. You had the Martian Civil War. So like, at one point, Mars, the Dark Mechanicum rose up. So you have this giant civil war. The fists and like the forces there had to pretty much just blockade the planet and like quarantine it because they're like i don't even know what the fuck's happening over there i'm not i don't think i can intervene (laughs) and then uh yeah so the first the first people that would eventually start the battle for terra were like the alpha legion alpharius himself like let a strike mission in to try to like knock out their communications shit Mm mm-hmm and it was actually it's a really cool battle it's the battle for pluto i think yeah because pluto is where they had like their outermost fortress and like all the sensors and stuff the the alpha legion apparently had like land they had arrived in a nearby system and then they powered down their ships to the lowest power necessary and then like sent them in the direction of of the solar system because you know how like it's space you know uh, a body in motion will remain in motion so like they started towards solar system turned off all the engines ran at minimal power every like legionary went into like hibernation basically and they coasted on like pretty much turned off ships for like a year until they got to the solar system and they attacked pluto Jesus Christ. Yeah, same t- same time too, like, because um, Alpharius was, like, personally insulted by Dorne, and was like, oh, you're mocking the way we do things? Sure. So, like, I'll make you pay for it. So, like, the, the entire time too, you have Alpha Legion agents fucking causing mayhem in, in the solar system, like, just blowing up infrastructure, infiltrating <laughs> different units, terrorist attacks, shit like that. Terrorist attack. Yeah, like uh, there was one short story I remember reading where, like, literally, it's a it's a it's a recruiting station on 
on Terra, I think. Yeah. And and they and and an Alpha Legion agent like goes and suicide bombs it. It's crazy stuff. What? <laughs> yeah, he even yells like Hydra Dominatus, and then he like clicks the detonator. Oh, oh my! Oh my! Yeah. So battle Pluto starts. What Alpharius doesn't count on is that Doran makes an appearance himself. And he oh, no. fights Alpharius. And Alpharius is kind of one of the smaller Primarchs, but he's still a really good fighter. To the point that he impales Dorne with his spear. And then what Dorne does is he just tanks the, the stab wound, holds wow. the spear, so that like Alpharius is kind of trapped, and then he chops Alpharius' arms and then head off. Jesus. So Dorne is one of the few loyalists to like have a confirmed kill on a on an enemy on another Primark. <laughs> That's so hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the Siege of Terra. You know, the fists are there, they're holding the wall, taking immense casualties, but also holding the line, and literally they only get they they only they fight all the way until like almost the throne room is breached by fucking um Angron of the World Eaters. Uh Doran and the Fists too were also on like Horus's flagship, the Vengeful Spirit, for that final battle with like Sanguinius and the Emperor. But because of warp fuckery, all their forces were scattered. Which is why, like, you know, because the Emperor, Sanguinius, and Dorne all at once would have wiped the floor with Horus. But then, you know, they ended up only being able to take him down one by one. So Dorne shows up when Sanguinius and and Horus are already dead. The Emperor oh, is, God. like, dying, pretty much. So Dorne is the one who carries, like, the bodies of his brother and his dad away. Uh, oh, he's no. the one that puts the Emperor on the Golden Throne and hooks him up. And this... That pretty much breaks Dorne for a bit. Oh, damn, dude. It's so sad. Yeah. Like, he gets ultra-depressed and, like, ultra-angry. So, the Fists, going from this, like, kind of cautious and, like, reserved force, they start... They they take a page out of, the, like, the, the Blood Angels book, and they start chasing the traitors. Um, this, this period in time is called the the Great Scouring. So that's when, like, a lot of the traitors, you know, they, they scatter from Terra, they... And then they have to get, like, rooted out from, like, all the other systems and shit that they had taken over. And the Fists were, like, at the forefront of that, like, pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm -hmm. Like, almost carelessly, which is, like, uncharacteristic for them. Until finally, like, Perturabo gets a challenge from... Uh, sorry, until Doran gets a challenge from Perturabo himself. Uh, Perturabo had built a fortress on this one planet called the iron and he called it the iron cage and it was this giant like hundreds of kilometers big fortress in the eight in the shape of like the eight-pointed star of chaos and he's just and he and he went and he taunted dorn and dared him to like attack he was like oh you can't take it you fucking you guys suck you won't be able to take it Yes. Yeah, and so the fists like attack the iron cage 
and it wore them down. Like, it was... I think it was, like, years of fighting. And, you know, the fists could take all the positions, sure. Yeah. But then the Iron Warriors were also, like, masters of siege warfare, so they were just constantly grinding on each other. Yeah. You know, the fists would, like, take... They would take a bastion, and then it turns out that, like, the bastion is open, is vulnerable to fire from, like, another bastion. Or, like, a trench has, like, is, like, that they spend, like, months taking is booby-trapped and is angled in a way that, like, the Iron Warriors could take, could call in artillery on it with no problem. So, this fighting dragged on for so long, they were taking, like, horrific losses to the point that, like, and to the point that, like, a lot of the veterans were dying off and a lot of the newbies were dying off. So there was, like, they were losing so much of their, like, cohesion that they're known for. Uh, it eventually got to the point where, like, they they had no ammo left. They were reduced to, like, fight hand-to-hand combat in trenches where they were, like, waist-deep in blood. That's how bad it got for him. Jesus Christ, that's so messed up, dude. Yeah, and it it took the Ultramarines rolling up to finally end it for for Doran to be like, fine, we'll we'll end this nonsense. Like even when they got to the center of the fortress, they got into the central courtyard, and it turns out it was just another kill zone. Oh god. Yeah. So while that was happening, uh Reboot Gilliman had like written the Codex Astartes, you know, like written the laws to like break the legions down into here's here's some some artist's impression of like some of the fighting from the iron cage uh jesus yeah i don't want to be i don't want to be there man yeah it's like world war one except worse in every way and that's hard to pop (laughs) and and let's be real there's no such thing as war crimes in 40k yeah it's just regular war (laughs) so um what do you call that so the or you know the the ultramines rolled up they had their space book gilliman was like okay you need to break your legion down into smaller chapters so we can avoid another civil war dorn was on the side of like fuck no i don't want to do that but like eventually he relented it was like literally he was so stubborn that some of his own captains were telling, were trying to convince him, like, maybe we should. And he was like, no. And then it was only the threat of, like, another civil war breaking out that he was like, fine, fine, I relent. And he, like, broke off. He, he like, broke his chapter apart. into uh, His legion apart into, like, the different chapters. And, yeah, he, he went and he led them until... Um, what do you call it? He went and he led them until eventually he died slash disappeared in the first black crusade uh yeah they they went and they were they boarded a traitor battleship and then just there were so many of them and the ship self-destruct sequence was triggered all his bodyguards were dead and they tried to get him to evacuate they tried to evacuate everyone they could and eventually like the only the ship the ship blew up and all they found was a escape pod that had his left hand, like his chopped off left hand with its gauntlet, his sword, 
and I think like some bits of his armor, and that was all of that was it. So Bruh. like, uh, it's not Bruh. clear if he's dead. He's definitely missing an arm, but he's it's not clear if he's dead. Um, Conrad Kurz had a vision of him like dying, like supposedly Dorn would go down. Literally, it would take like hundreds of Black Legion space marines to kill him like multiple hundreds like 400 space marines to kill him i think at one point mm-hmm. in the vision but like it, it's not concerning oh man yeah so so, oh, man. so he he has you know his old his hand left behind it's now like the holiest relic of the chapter uh the the hand gets like the bones of his hand get inscribed with like the names of each chapter master as you know they go oh, through them. Bruh. So yeah, they they found their their niche eventually. They're codex compliant, so they follow the space book. Funny oh, enough, space. sometimes I think they follow it better than the Ultramarines do. Because hmm. the Ultramarines, like, there have been a couple times where the Ultramarines were like. They have, it's like, oh, we have a secret extra company of 100 marines to defend this one planet. Or like, um, it's like, oh, we made this special unit that's just for fighting Tyranids. And from what I read, the Imperial Fist did none of that. So they outspace marine <laughs> the blueberries, which I find hilarious. Oh, no. And then I put these last two things here because I felt they needed mentioning just like, these two very important relics to them that kind of, I think, really illustrate their relationship with Terra. Because they're a fleet-based chapter. The the Phalanx itself is technically a giant ship, so it roams the Imperium, and like all their other ships kind of travel around. So they recruit from almost everywhere. But Terra has like a special place in their heart, and two of their chapter relics are on Terra. There's one called the Column of Glory, Column of Glory. It is literally a single column, which is all that remains of the fortress monastery that the Imperial Fists had on Terra. Like, that's how fierce the fighting was. A single column was left standing. <laughs> and, Jesus. Yeah, and so, like, they... Every now and then, they, the, the, they will make a pilgrimage to it to kind of, like, bring trophies from their newest campaigns um sometimes the i'll explain it later but like they love scrim showing like people's bones sometimes they'll like leave them behind to as like a testament to that person the other is called the pillar of bone and that Uh is basically a giant pylon that is made out of the the suits, like the the power armor suits of every Imperial Fist that died during the Siege of Terra. Bruh. And a lot of them still have the bones inside of them. So well, like, um Yeah, it's a it so I'm imagining it's just like a sev like an Empire uh, an Empire State Building sized like pillar of broken power armor, kinda. <laughs> Well, yeah. So well, that's pretty. It's pretty metal. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, I like. I like the fists. They they're interesting because like they follow the baseline, 
but they have a lot of flavor to them. You know, like they still follow all the rules, but then they have all these interesting, like these things that give them a bit more character. I feel than like someone like the Ultramarines or some of the other chapters who follow the codex, but then they still have a lot more substance to them. So, you know, with the Codex Astartes, they, Legion was broken up into, like, different chapters. You know, they followed yeah. that. But they did create what they called the Last Wall Protocol. So... Um, that does not sound good. It's actually a good... Well, okay. We'll see if it's a good or bad thing. Like, the basic idea was that, like, Dorne didn't want the chapters to kind of grow apart. The, um, I'll show you, I'll explain it later, but basically the, 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 the Imperial Fists and their successor chapters, they kind of have, like, an interesting relationship. They're all kind of friends. They haven't really lost contact with each other. So the Last Wall Protocol was basically, like, in the Imperium's greatest hour of need. Um, or, like, you know, like, literally something is threatening Terra itself, all the Imperial Fists and their successor chapters will be called on to gather together and to fight as a single legion. Like, to join oh, wow. together temporarily, basically, yeah. And so the the last time, I think the only time this was ever invoked was during the War of the Beast, which was like that massive orc invasion that reached almost all the way to Terra. Like, literally, there was, like, orc space stations in the atmosphere of Terra. So they were like, oh, God, we need everybody on deck. And so, you know, the Fists were there. They were very active, them and their successor chapters. But eventually, the Fists would be, because of this, because of all the fighting they were doing, the Fists would be the only original chapter, basically, that would get wiped out. Like, literally at one point, they had four survivors left from this one ambush, and the three of them died on the medical table. So then you had the last Imperial Fist, uh, Chapter Master Corland, who was still leading all the other successor chapters in the war against the beast. But then eventually he too would die in battle. Wow. So then the successor chapters kind of like banded together and they, you know, they contributed a couple Marines here and there and they reconstituted the Imperial Fists and eventually like, you know, sent them and, and that, they, that formed the basis of the Fists that we know now. Um, so at the time, it was kept a secret from like the regular Imperial public, you know, like... If you're a citizen of Terra and you hear that the Imperial Fists were basically like the chapter that has always been defending your planet, you hear that they were wiped out, that's gonna be that's pretty gonna scare scare you, dude. Pretty bad for morale. So like I think all the all the successor chapters know and I think all other Space Marine chapters know and probably the higher ups know that the fists were wiped out and then reconstituted. Whereas, like, a lot of this, it was kept a little hush-hush from, like, the the regular citizenry. 
I do not have pictures of the War of the Beast because they're still making it. This is like an artist's impression of like their last stand. Sad. That's so depressing. Yeah. It, it, it's like one of those things you see like in old World War Two or World War One photos. Yeah. Oh, this is this is uh, official GW artwork from like the Battle of Fall when they're fighting the Iron Warriors in space. They have the. I love their their shields. Th those are called like legionary breacher squads because they're meant to breach ships, and their shields like will lock together. Like they'll lock together with your your battle brother so that you can like create like an impenetrable wall if somebody charges you or whatever. And then it has a cutout so you can still stick your gun in and you can shoot. Uh, everybody had them, but I see I see it most with like Imperial Fists like artwork. So I I think it's kind of safe to assume that the Imperial Fists were really good at it and they used them a lot a lot during the great crusade they don't really use them now like space marines have moved past that but every now and then you get like a special character who still has a shield and i love dude i love shields in 40k <laughs> like they're so cool uh, it, it's pretty obvious to be honest yeah i mean i also just love the imperial fits in general so uh there are some things that make the imperial fists unique um i mentioned earlier that like they have really they have pretty close ties with their successor chapters it's because they do this thing called the feast of blades that does not sound pretty what do you think it is i don't know they go all go hunting and some shit like some redneck camping no um well i mean you know what actually i wouldn't discount that it probably happens but basically like what it is, is every 100 years, roughly 100 years, as long as, you know, like, the Imper the Imperium isn't, like, burning down harder than it normally is. Mm -hmm. Every 100 years, one of the Imperial Fists' successors, or the Fists themselves, will host the Feast of Blades. And this is where every chapter sends representatives. And oh, they like the Olympics. Yeah, they all hang out together. There's multiple feasts. There's tournaments. There's, I don't, I don't want to say games, but like whatever. There's, it's it's like a feast, you know. There's there's all these things that happen whenever like there's a big get together, you know, and it eventually culminates in a tournament where the best swordsmen of each chapter like duel each other in a tournament to eventually. Uh, until eventually somebody wins and the winner gets the becomes the new holder of the what they call the Doran's blade, which was a sword used by Rogel Doran himself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's neat, you know. They every hundred years they have a barbecue together and they fucking <laughs> yeah, they kick back, have a couple brewskis, play some chess, duel each other a little bit, you know. They hang out, they catch up, trade war stories um probably like they get to kind of reconnect with some of their their other chapters you know like chapters that have fought together you know the veterans who serve together will like see each other again they get to like you know share their war stories together things like that you know so they're they got to they it, it's kind of 
like you know how Warhammer is kind of grim dark sometimes like yeah you hear stuff and you're like oh that that doesn't sound great this is kind of wholesome this is like this is like a bunch of dude a bro bunch of bros getting together you know like for a while yeah like it's kind of nice to hear i don't, i mean okay there have been a couple of feasts that have been attacked but then it's kind of stupid because it's like you're you're attacking like you're attacking like 20 chapters worth of dudes kind of a dumb idea <laughs> that's a that's a, mm, that's not a good idea yeah so um i i mentioned it here but dueling is another thing that kind of makes them sets them apart from others like dueling is a very big part of their chapter tradition so like they they duel with literally like uh sabers and What's it called? Like, like those skinny little dueling swords, you know? Like, you mean fencing? Almost fencing? like fencing. But 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 like like they'll cut you, but they're not gonna kill you. Is like you know the thing. You know they're not meant to fucking. They're not trying to kill each other. It's just like, you know, they duel to like settle an argument to defends to defend someone's honor or just to like practice and test their skills so like oh it's it's a sign of like respect or status in the uh imperial fist if you have a lot of scars from dueling because it means that like you've had a lot or maybe did a lot. yeah you've had a lot you've won a lot you've learned a lot from all of these fights that you've had pretty cool um, I mentioned the scrimshawing, so it, it, they have this kind of like pragmatic and very practical kind of almost way of... minimalist Spartan kind of like way of doing things, but minimalist like, Spartan. I mean, it's like no nonsense is the best way to describe it. I mean, like you look at pictures of the Imperial Fists, they're, they're not like blood ra blood angels who have like gold accents everywhere or like space wolves who have like furs and skulls and shit like like they kind of you know their armor is their armor they don't really fuck with it too much so they're they kind of like keep to the basics but then one of their hobbies is scrimshawing and they'll do it on like anything you know piece of wood or uh or a piece of metal or like the bones of your dead battle brother like they'll they'll go and they'll scrimshaw it. They'll like carve things. They'll like, you know, names of brothers who have fallen in battle, or uh, artwork of various deeds and campaigns. You know that they've been on. Like they'll they'll do that in like the free time that they get. Mm. Yeah, you know they. I mean that's at least they're normal. They have a hobby, you know? <laughs> it's not like, you know... It's not like the Ultramarines. They think they're the best. Yeah, they're the best, but then they're like... They're, they're like shit. They're like lettuce, you know? Um, yeah, so the... The... The fists like their scrimshawing and their carving. You know, they like their little hobbies. Um, and 
especially as they get older, it becomes like a very it's a becomes a much more serious thing, you know, like you know, imagine you're like an eight hundred year old space marine. How many of your battle brothers have died at that point? So like Jesus. Yeah, for you it becomes a very it for them it becomes a very serious thing of remembering those guys and like the sacrifices they made because like you know in the imperium you're if you're a, not a a captain or a chapter master history might not remember you you know so this is kind of their way of like remembering and honoring them so yeah and sometimes they'll even adorn themselves <laughs> adorn adorn wink uh, when they're like, like they'll have a necklace, you know, when they're in armor, of of that, and as I mentioned earlier, it's like the, it's like the ultimate honor is to get your name carved on Dorn's bones from his hand, you know. So that's yep. like, that's a thing. And then I think one of the other final things is that is central to their personality is the pain glove. Excuse me? Here, I got a meme. I shared a meme for you. <laughs> so, what is the pain glove? What the fuck? So, it's a little vague on what it is exactly, but um, the pain glove is, in some, in some sources, it's described as like a literal cybernetic glove that you put on. Others, it's like a bodysuit that you hook up things but basically you plug into it and then it triggers your pain receptors so that you feel pain like they they describe it as if you feel as if your body is on fire mm -hmm. and there's different levels of it and how i interpret it is the pain glove probably started as like a training tool you know like the kind of build up your pain tolerance, kind of desensitize you so that, like, if you get really hurt, you're not going to panic or go into shock right away. That that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense, but it also does not make sense. Yeah, so, like, that's kind of how I interpreted it. And, but now it's kind of become its own thing. So now it's part of, like, the train. It's a big part of the training and rituals of the chapter and some of the successors since the Horus Heresy. So they they use it and they crank it. And sometimes it's it's them like punishing themselves for a failure, you know, like Oh, it's like uh the thing that you know hardcore Catholics do. Flagellation. flagellation. Yeah. I guess in a way. Just different tools, you know. Like yeah, like yeah. one one a a space marine is like, oh I I missed my shots and a battle brother died because of me because I didn't kill the orc or that was charging him. So, so they'll, they'll hop in the pain glove to kind of like punish themselves for it or some, and I, they got this from Dorne because Dorne was going through some stuff after, after the battle of Terra. So Tor Dorne was using it too. They sort of like, they use it to clear their mind and to meditate by like making yourself hurt. <laughs> I was gonna say something because I think it's only the both of us that do it. Uh, it's going to be 
Not really. It's no, like when the both of us go to the gym. Yeah. No, no, I. Or, or another way that like I kind of thought about it is, uh, like they go through it, they put themselves through this immense pain, and then once it's done, they they think a little bit clearly or differently. It's kind of like post nut clarity, you know. Bro. <laughs> like, You're making this worse. Like, they go through all those pain and emotions, and then they can make clearer decision then, just like post-nut clarity. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. I don't... Okay, I'll, I'll fine, I'll agree. Yeah. I'll uh, agree so you just stop. <laughs> so yeah, the, the pain glove, they use it pretty regularly. Um, it's funny, because they use it... They... I, I read up on the wiki, it's like, there, there's kind of three basic levels of it. So there's kind of like, light pain. You know, that's what they use on the people that they're training, you know? Like, to get them accustomed to, like, pain, to make it so that they don't, like, care as much if they get injured. And then there's, like, the normal amount of pain for, like, you know, this this self-flagellation or this, quote-unquote, purifying. Because pain, it's pain leaving the body is weakness or some shit like that you know like it's the medium pain and then and then if you crank it it's literally just for torture it's, it's Bro. yeah it's like the three levels of it <laughs> i mean i mean that's all that's all you can really say though yeah okay so th this is like an artist impression of like the battle for terra and like one of those pillars that would eventually become the pillar of what is it? Pillar of Unity? Pillar of Bone? Sorry, what did I call it earlier? Pillar of Bone. Pillar of Bone. Or Column of Glory, whichever it was, whatever. Um, it's in the, like, the, the giant art piece. I think I might have gotten them mixed up. Because, yeah, whatever. It's it's all on the wiki. I don't know, worry. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato, yeah. Um, so, some, some chapters... Uh, over time, they develop mutations in their gene seed, or they develop like a genetic flaw. S some are very stable. Uh, the the Imperial Fist, they're very stable for mutations. They don't really experience any variants like that. Yeah, yeah. They but they do have genetic mutation, but it's not like Blood Angels or like Space Wolves level. Mm. And because they're They've been going through all this hard fighting over the centuries. You know, they literally got destroyed once. They, they're they also, like, they've lost the ability to have some of the Space Marine organs. Like, like there's a special one in your brain that, like, allows the Space Marines to kind of, like, go into a controlled hibernation. So they yeah. could theoretically sleep for four months, but then, like, they're awake enough that they could sense you, like, sneaking up on them or something. Or, yeah, or, like, if you're injured, you can kind of, like, shut that off in order to, like, focus. Uh, they've also lost the ability to, like, like the, it's called the Betcher's Gland, the one that lets them spit acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they it's lost that, acid. too. Um, so their genetic, um, their genetic uh, flaws, there's two. Uh, the first is called death by death before dishonor, and both of these it took me a little while to kind of like understand them and read them. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, death before dishonor is kind of like... It's a... It, these are all, like, mental ones. Like, they're all in their heads for the most part. Like, death before dishonor is... They basically hyperfixate and become even more stubborn than normal. Bro. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, here. Level one. Suffer, not failure. The battle brother believes himself deficient in some manner, whether real or imagined, and becomes truculent and obstructive when ordered to redeploy in the face of a stronger foe. When acting as a squad leader or Death Watch kill team leader, he makes demands of his squads that others might consider unreasonable and views any disagreement as outright disobedience. So it's like extra stubbornness, kind of. <laughs> like, like, bro, you better retreat. There's a dreadnought charging you. Imperial, no. Imperial fist. No. <laughs> no. And then level two, beware hubris. Oh, the, God. The battle brother spends his every waking moment brooding on past battles, seeking even the slightest flaw in his own deeds and those of others. While he stops short of outright criticism of his battle brothers, he condemns his own actions as falling short of the example set by his primarch and seeks to redeem himself in the fires of battle. I know where that's going. You know, reading that, you know what that reminds me of? What? You know when you have an argument with somebody and then it's done and then when you're like in the shower a couple of hours later and you're thinking of all the better comebacks you could have had? Oh yeah. This is what I kind of think of because it's it's like you're overthinking about the past and you're like, fuck, I could have done this, I could have done this, done that. I should have done that. That guy probably could have done it, but you know what, I'm not going to bring that up. It's yeah, true. Like these are weird. Like compared to some of the other genetic flaws, these are kind of like weird how they're all in their head in a way. Like I don't mean it to sound disrespectful that it's all in their head, but when other chapters mutation is literally turning into vampires, this this is very different. <laughs> true. Okay, and here, level three, none are flawless. The Battle Brother obsessively reviews every detail of his every mission he takes part in, finding fault with his own actions and those of his squad. He becomes withdrawn, maudlin, and confrontational, and unwilling to accept or issue any order that does not result in imminent, in imminent battle. Bruh. So it's kind of like, the guy gets, he, I interpret it as like, he comes up with a plan for an operation, and will not listen to any other, like, opinion on it. He's like, no, we're doing this. We're going into that fight. This is what we're going to do. And, and, like, any suggestion just gets shot down. Honestly, it doesn't... Some of these are not too bad. Especially if, like, you know, they have other Imperial Fists to kind of, like, deal with it, you know? You know? Yeah, true. It's not that bad until you get to the meat of it. You're like, mm-hmm. Like, like, you could see where the issues can pop up. Yeah. And then finally, their other, their other uh, gene seed flaw. And this one was very interesting to read. It's called Dorne's Darkness. It is uh -huh. basically depression. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, I read oh, it. No. I read it, and it's 
it's depression. It's basically like um okay, the blood the blood angels have a good example of like a psychic a psychic imprint, you know, like the death of of Sanguinius, spoiler alert, you know. Um it it was so shocking it reverberated with all of his his uh blood angels sons, you know, so that now in the heat of the moment they have hallucinations that they are Sanguinius fighting Horus, you know, in that final battle. Oh my god. Whereas with this, it's kind of like they manifest the the, the pure grief that that Dorne probably felt walking into the throne room in the aftermath of that fight. I was reading it earlier. I was like, this is literally just depression. It was like the battle no, brother no, no, no. the battle brother no. will not speak. The battle brother will refuse to eat. The battle brother will sequester themselves in their room without making themselves without showing themselves for days. I'm like, this is literally Parker. depression. <laughs> it's weaponized depression. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if we're gonna get called out for that, but that's what it is. It's it's something, yeah. But I don't know. As as far as like gene seed flaws go, I'd say this is kind of this is on the lighter end of the the, the spectrum. You know, like I would pick depression over the chance of becoming a vampire or transforming into a werewolf. To be honest, or or just being crazy. Yes, or going insane, like you, you know. So yeah, um, so they're codex compliant, as I mentioned. They uh, they follow the codex. They follow it better than the ultramarines. Get get wrecked. Um, <laughs> you really have to say that. Yeah, because yeah, I have to. <laughs> so yeah, um, so moving on. Um, I noticed this when I was kind of like going through the uh, through the wiki. They seem to have a lot more like notable Imperial Fist characters in the pre Horse Heresy days mm-hmm. versus the modern ones. Yeah, because all of them probably just got killed. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. It made me realize like how long it had been since I had like read up on the the Imperial Fist lore. Like, I love them; they're my favorite. But then it was like. I, I kind of fell into that whole thing of like, you know, they're a major chapter. They're not going to fuck around with it too much. And then I read back and I was like, oh, oh, they killed one of the chapter masters. Like the chapter master that, I mean, I might be wrong, but I remember it like when I first got into 40k, they had a chapter master named uh, Vladimir Puh, Pug, Puh, P-U-G-H. I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. Pew. Pew, yeah. And now the new chapter master is Gregor Desane. Because not only has Vladimir died, Vladimir died, his successor died, and then now it's this new guy. I was like, fuck, is that how long I haven't like looked at their article? <laughs> so yeah, for notable characters, in the pre-Horus Heresy, uh, in the Great Crusade times, you have Sigismund. So he was the the first captain of the uh, the what do you call of the Imperial Fists. He led what they called the Templar Brethren, who were like Bruh. They, so Yeah, they were basically the <laughs> Yeah. The Imperial Fists, especially in their Horus Heresy days, are very Germanic inspired. 
you'll notice with some of the names and like some of their iconography but like um so he led the what they called the the he was the first chap uh first captain and the leader of the templar brethren who were basically like the most zealous and most skilled swordsmen in of the imperial fists because you know normally while they love dueling they're still going to be like use a bolt or use a gun you know rather yeah. than like take your sword so he he led the templar brethren who acted as kind of elite kind of bodyguard troops to a lot of like high-ranking imperial fists um so he led the first uh the first company he would eventually convert to the 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 cult imperium like the the cult that worships the emperor as a god because he started getting visions so uh when he when when they split off he ended up becoming the first chapter master of the black templars i'll i'll show you them later they're they deserve their own episode because they're insane too um so you know they worship the emperor they're incredibly zealous they literally dress like templars and they rush into battle with swords yeah um he was also one of the greatest swordsmen that have ever been of in course the he is fucking you can't be a great you can't have like templars and not be a great swords master yeah he he has only ever lost two fights uh one you'll love this he he he's dueled like almost everybody like even karn from like the world eaters he has really? dueled him and i think they fought to survive yeah sir well before karn fell to chaos i think oh okay i don't know if it was a draw or if sigismund won i think it was a draw which is you know it's karn what the fuck he lost yeah. to first captain sevatar of the night lords because the, <laughs> you know you know why you know why why because sevatar because he's a night lord he cheated during the duel and he headbutted <laughs> sigismund <laughs> yes go night lords that is like the most night lord thing and then, fuck this headbutt yeah and the other time he lost was when he died basically um oh uh, wow the only time he lost is when he died yeah against abaddon and even then it was a close fight he almost killed abaddon and he did this when he was like almost a thousand years old oh so i i think there's no debate that he probably would have kicked abaddon's ass when like they were both in their prime oh um next you have alexis pollux this guy is described as being an absolute unit. Like, the man was so big that his armor had to be custom made by mixing regular regular power armor with Terminator power armor. Because he was, like, a massive man. Um, he was also, like, one of the greatest, like, uh, admirals and strategists that the Imperial Fists had. He ended up becoming the leader of one of of the Vengeance fleet, you know, during all of its fighting. Jesus Christ. He he would later on split off 
he would be given um he would form the the crimson fists chapter which is a chapter that is it was made up of him his closest friends and like literally all the new recruits but they had like a reputation for like really good <laughs> tactics and strategy you know can i just say it that sounds like a regular uh gun hobbyist discord <laughs> God. Kind of, yeah. people are into milsim stuff <laughs> literally like i couldn't imagine it as that literally like you got the zoomer recruits with hanging out with like gulf gulf uh, like desert storm veterans that's probably what the Crimson fists were like when they fucking became a thing. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, and then next you have Fafnir Ran. Uh, when you have a name like Fafnir, I I assume that you have like, <laughs> like an axe or something. Oh, he has got two axes. Oh shit! I, I bro, I I wasn't even looking at the picture. I was on Twitter for a moment. <laughs> dude, <laughs> his nickname: the Executioner. Of course. Him, him and, like, his chapter, they kind of got this, like, black sheep reputation for a bit. Because, you know, the literally everyone else in the Imperial Fist is, like, practical, pragmatic, just shoot him with a damn gun already kind of guys. Fafnir Ran and his chapter were like, we're gonna get into that fight. We want to fucking chop him up with we're gonna our get axes. Into we're gonna get into that fight. Yeah, so he eventually would lead the Executioner's chapter after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, okay, and then now for post-heresy, the current uh, chapter master is Gregor the Sane. Uh, he's, he's Primaris now. I think most of the chapter is Primaris. Um, as you can see, because he's a chapter master, he gets two hammers. <laughs> and then I think one of the most famous of the next is like the most famous of their uh, post-heresy characters. Fucking Darnath Lysander, Captain of the First. So, like... Bro. Yeah, this guy... Warhammer and Shield. Yeah, dude. And Terminator armor. This guy... Um, at one point, him... Uh, I think he was part of the fifth chapter, the fifth company for a while. Him and that company... Their ship got lost in the warp, and eventually they were captured and, like, taken as slaves under chaos. I think it was, like, Iron Warriors, maybe, something like that. Basically, he was forced to become a gladiator. What? So he fought and survived as a gladiator for, like, several years, decades even, before finally, like, breaking free, making his way back to the chapter. And then the chapter, of course, is just like, holy shit, you've been, like, in the eye of terror. You've been, like, under the watch of, under the gaze of chaos for, like, how many, like, several hundred years. So they had to, like, thoroughly screen him. So I think at one point it was, like, literally getting your mind ripped apart by a psyker so that they could check every nook and cranny to make sure that he wasn't chaos infested. Uh, but he survived that. He proved himself. He eventually, like, was given command again, and he went back with, like, a combined force to the same world that he had been taken, that he had been a prisoner on, and, like, burnt it to the fucking ground. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think it was, like, Iron Warriors 2 that held command. So, like, it made it extra gratifying. Uh, he has been the first captain for a long time now. 
because first captain is you know first company is like all the veterans and the usual chain of command is if a chapter master dies the first captain becomes chapter master but he has turned it down like multiple times to be chapter master because he wants to be on the front line and like keep the fight going at least and then finally we have but um, i can't believe he survived those like those years in like near the IFK. I love the design of his thunder hammer. The fist holding the hammer head. Oh, it looks so good. Well, I'm I'm willing to bet you money that if you had more extra money, you'd have one made and just put it in your room. I'd probably buy it if when I start working again. I'm order one. This is probably Forge World, I think. Maybe we'll see. Oh you god, it would it would be resin though. Ah. Good luck. Because what I like, because uh, with resin, like, that shit's kind of soft, you know? So you can't, like, manipulate it and manhandle it the way you would with the plastic. The plastic is for the is pretty strong for the most part. Like, when I repainted some of the models I had from high school, and I was, like, breaking them down so I could, like, scrub the old paint off, it was, like, okay, literally, like, two plastic pieces that had been super glued for almost eight years at that point i was just snapping the arms off and it was like no issue for the model like snapping them off yeah i mean i wasn't like taking a thin piece you know like a power sword and like snapping it right but like you know the arms of the marine snapping them off the torso like physically pulling them off the torso was like no problem because the plastic is pretty strong not as strong as metal but and then another guy they got is Death Watch Chaplain Magno Stone. That's what he looks like. So he's is that a, a shovel? No, it, it's the Crozius. It's oh the symbol of their office. Oh, okay. The, I, I thought I thought it was a shovel. The picture doesn't really do it justice, but like it's described as like basically the Imperial Aquila mixed with a mace. So you're literally beating Bro. somebody to death with the image of the end, with like the logo of the emperor, which I find pretty funny. So he's a he's a well, he's an imperial fist who has been seconded to the Death Watch for a lot of time. He's led a lot of strike teams, taken down so many Xenos, so many Necrons, shut off so many fucking. Uh, ambushed fucking uh, Drakari raiders and shit. Things like that. Very good, very good, solid like records of service. These guys. There's, there's a lot of other named characters, but like their blurbs were kind of like not long enough that I felt it wouldn't justify like putting it in. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just to like go over them real quick, so. Because they were, like, they were one of the bigger legions, and because they're one of the first, they have a lot of successor chapters. So many that I'm not going to name them all. I'll just kind of, like, pick out... I picked out a few that I kind of liked, or, like, they were notable for something. You know, of course, we got the Black Templars. We can't... The Black Templars. Yeah, that's what they look like. I think... This guy that I'm showing you right now, he's actually called the... They call him the Emperor's Champion. 
and he's basically uh-huh. like a black templar who on the eve of battle has a vision of of from the emperor and so mm-hmm. they they go and they give him a special suit of armor they give him uh, a special like sword like the emperor's the, the champion's blade and his job for the entire battle is just to find enemy champions and challenge them to single combat and to kill them Bruh. so like it's seen as like a really bad omen if the emperor's champion falls in battle but like you know if he's going around killing all like the strongest warriors that's usually a pretty good thing for him like they deserve their own episode we'll probably like get into it at a later date um next astral knights i mentioned i mentioned these guys in the uh in the necrons episode these are the guys that they sacrificed their entire chapter to take down the necron death star bro Uh, as you can see like it's a lot more apparent in the pre-horse heresy uh fists but they had that germanic kind of knightly uh aesthetic and some of their some of their successors kind of like followed with it too um who we got ah the crimson fists these guys the crimson fists fun fact these guys are old they're one of the oldest like in the lore i mean in the lore and in the meta like in our world like they're like you're you're seeing this poster here this is like from the 80s what yeah they're way they used to be their own legion, I think, at one point. And then eventually the lore was kind of reworked. Bro, that's from the 80s? Yeah. Look like it's from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, some of the really old stuff is, like, Crimson Fists. Like, some of their old stuff screams 80s when you look at them. Uh... I mean, there's the one I showed you. Here. Oh, here. Some even older looking box art. Oh, at least that looks like from the 80s. The one a while ago wasn't. Okay. This is like early 2000s. This, you could tell this is like from the start of like compute, like Photoshop and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they were. They're old. Um. They're known, they're known for being like incredibly tactically flexible. They're very resilient. They're very adaptable, and this is they also have like an especial a special hatred for orcs, because hatred for orcs. Yeah, what happened was their home world got attacked by an orc war, and so you know the chapter was making its stand. They were getting ready. They had their fortress monastery. And then they had a smaller fortress slash starport in like the nearby planetary capital. So like, you know, they they sent a company or two to the starport while everybody else like held the the fortress monastery. They were fighting the orcs. Mm. Everything was going great. And then like a uh, anti ship missile that they shot up. That you know, like they're supposed to shoot it into orbit. And it like hits a ship, blows it up. It malfunctioned, and it boomeranged back and like 
smacked right into their like monastery and hit the ammo dump and blew it up. So from like the 800 or so Crimson Fists that were at the monastery, like 13 survived. So they eventually had to regroup. Uh, and so a space where they were, you know, for the longest time they were stuck at like 200, 300 Marines. So they had to be like super careful, super dynamic, super flexible with how they were fighting their wars. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they would own, like literally they would send two or three squads alongside another chapter in order to participate in a war. Bro. <laughs> but they were still there because they wanted to fight. But they would especially go out of their way to fight orcs because they fucking hate them. <laughs> um. Uh, wow. They're, they they the sound like they 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 just want to fuck them up so bad. I like them. I was considering painting these guys because, um, they're close. Like the the upgrade kit for the Imperial fists that I bought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of close. Like you could tweak it so that you know it's because it's the same as the Imperial fist logo. It's just red, so you could like paint it a little bit. And these guys. When you paint them, they're the same color as the Night Lords that I already oh, wow. have. Except you just paint one of their hands red because they're, you know, straight blue. They don't they have no like other details as you can see. It's just red highlights and that's it. So like I was really considering at one point like doing Crimson Fists instead of Imperial Fists. I mean it makes sense. Because, you know, it, it's, it's the, the, what you call that, the hassle is lessened. Yeah. And you like both of them. So. Yeah, I like both of them. Like, I like that they're reasonable, you know? <laughs> like, they're practical with their shit. And then we got the executioners. So they got the two axes as their symbol. And then, like, they're bloody close combat. It's always their thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. They were part of this thing called the Badat. I like their color scheme more. Yeah, it's it's described as like kind of gunmetal gray with yellow shoulder pads. So that's pretty easy. You just do like steel and then yellow shoulder pads rather than having to do the entire body yellow. It's not bad. Um, they were part of this thing called the Badab War, which like basically they sided with some other Astartes who rebelled against the corruption of the Imperium. But then halfway through, the executioners found out that the guys who had basically convinced them into joining the rebellion had lied. So then they just went apeshit and started attacking every everybody. Like, the people sent to stop the rebellion, the people that used to be their allies, they f- fucking attacked all of them. <laughs> they were just like, fuck all you guys, oh, we're fuck. angry. Yeah, they just fucking... Oh, no. Yeah, dude, they're pretty great. I found, it, I found that hilarious when I was reading through them. Uh, the the exorcists. Um. Okay. Hmm. So. So uh, the the ones I've mentioned so far, probably except for the ex- exorcists, they uh sorry the executioners they've been relatively like codex compliant. Yeah, they they follow things to the T, and follow religiously and do, like like proper soldiers, you know. Yeah, they have their own flavor. They have the rules, but they have their own flavor and way of doing yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. Well, okay, Black Templars definitely don't follow it. Uh, no, they don't. I don't think they even bother reading the book. No, I think they personally just, when they get it, 
they put it like you know the rock sacks like people have in the military they put it in there and they only the only time they remember to use it is when they forget to bring a torch and they need to light the fire no there there was a meme i saw where you know the meme where like this woman is walking with her child and the child sees something and it's like too late mother and it's like there i saw this one where it was like the mother was walking with her child and then the child's like look mommy those are black templars and the mom was like no timmy stop don't look at them and then like god and then the child's like too late it's too late mother and then he transforms into like a black templar and he's like the codex oh, no. the codex astartes is a bunch of bullshice <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no so i don't think they read it i don't know if they can even read i don't know so okay anyway exorcists so these guys have like two scout companies like they have a lot of scouts because normally becoming a space marine is a very stressful process on your body and so it's not it's pretty normal for people to die you know going through the process Mm -hmm. the exorcists decided that that wasn't good enough so in order to become part of the ex- exorcist, aside from surviving the process of becoming a space marine, they also intentionally force a demon to possess you. Like they summon um, a demon from the warp and they possess your body. And you have to survive it for a set amount of time. Like you have to resist the demon like trying to like take over your soul while it's in your body. Before they banish it. But they found that, um, you know, people like the brothers who survive this are very resilient to chaos. Like, they don't fall for it easily. They are not as susceptible to, like, warp-based magic attacks or some shit. Even psychers, they've described that, like, the exorcists are kind of... They look different when you look at them through the warp. Like, their soul feels different almost staticky i think is one how one described them so they're very good at fighting chaos and demons it's just uh nobody nobody would fucking sanction that if they knew (laughs) no no one would to be honest like like nobody's gonna fucking like nobody's gonna sign off on that um yeah and then who else we got Okay, so I copied the pa- and pasted like this list over, right? Mm-hmm. So you know it has all of them. It also includes like whether or not like a chapter is turned traitor, or if they're not sure if you know they're a successor chapter, but there's hints. There's one where it's quoted as they are suspected successors to the Imperial Fists. Mm-hmm. But the name of the chapter, they are called the Crusaders of Dorn. Uh-huh. I am interested. I'm... I mean, their lore is actually not that much. It's like a single line. But... Sad. Here's the thing. If your chapter is called the Crusaders of Dorn, I think there's a pretty good likelihood that you are an Imperial Fist successor chapter. At that yeah. point, like, why? Why is it like even being questioned? <laughs> like, 
Crusaders of Dorne, hey? They sound like they might be an Imperial Fist chapter. I, th uh, bro, bro, come on. <laughs> they, they sound. It's very similar. Yeah, they have it's a very. Yeah, they have they have a lot. Uh, excoriators, exorcists, fists exemplar. Their their lore is kind of up in the air at the moment, so I didn't like include them. Hospitalers, invaders, iron knights, red. Hospitalers, Yeah, and then finally, these these guys. These guys are the. The Hammers of Dorne. And I find these guys hilarious. They look badass. I like their symbol. Not gonna lie. Like, like this kind of like hammer. Was fist clutching a hammer with like some kind of crescent on it. Their paint scheme also looks kind of nice. This like dull grayish with like golden yellow highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing about them is that they are a... They're an Imperial Fist successor chapter that read the Codex Astartes from the Ultramarines and were like, you know what? We could do better. So wow. they, they are ultra Codex compliant. They are super, like, they're dogmatic about following the Codex to the letter. Like, they see it as like, look, the Ultramarines wrote it but only a true son of Dorne could truly live up to the expectations of it. Like, like they lived to troll Ultramarines. Like, to the point where I think there was a campaign where mm -hmm. they refused to fight alongside a chapter who had a non-Codex-compliant paint scheme. That's how, like, that's how ingrained they are. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love it. It's like they're they're just like they they're like fuck you ultramarines. We're better at at being ultramarines than you are. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, if they that's all they wanted to do, that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, dude. It, they're like to the letter. It's yeah, hilarious. I don't want to wake up early tomorrow, but I have. Don't worry. We have reached the end of our episode. I just cut that out. <laughs> well, okay. Shit. So, yeah. I think that pretty much wraps it up. That's almost... <coughs> Sorry. Uh, are, you are you dying, Parker? I choked is there on chaos some... in your? Is there chaos in your belly or I some shit? Choked on is there a demon in your butthole? I choked on some spit. Anyway... <laughs> I thought I thought you choked on Gilliman's like sweat or something. No, choked, <laughs> choked on. I choked on Dorn's shoulder pads. Look at them, glorious. <laughs> I, I choked on D Dorn's sword in my throat. Batch, wow, wow. But yeah, um. So, yeah, that was the Imperial Fists. That was kind of everything about I. Not okay. Not the super specifics, but like a general overview, so you kind of get a, an idea of who they are, what they do, and how they operate. Um, they're my favorite. I just like the idea of being incredibly blunt, pragmatic assholes. I mean, they're isn't not that assholes. You in general, isn't that you IRL? Maybe I guess, but like, 
Um, the paint scheme, I actually hated it at first, but it's grown on me, which is why I did my own army. But it was a bitch to paint. <laughs> um, I especially love... I love the character of Doran and how he's betrayed. Like, especially after the horror, like, after the battle for Terra, when, like, he kind of goes nuts a little bit. I find him really interesting. Unlike, yeah. it gives him more dimension rather than Reboot Gilliman, where with Reboot Gilliman, we had to wait 10,000 years for him to get, like, resurrected in order to, like, see some of his character change. Um, I love the Breacher squads. Like, I might, in the future, like, get a squad of, like, 30k uh, Imperial Fists and then kitbash them with, like, new, modern 40k uh, Imperial Fists. You know, just so I get the shields. But we'll see. Um, so yeah, that was them. Uh, that was my favorite Legion. What do you think about them, Jonas? I think they're cool. Like, they're super fucking cool. I can't even deny that. Because, like, uh, I'll be honest. This is, like, with the Imperial Fist, it's the closest thing that you can get to an actual standardized military. I mean, if you compare it to other Legions, like, let's, let's say the Ultramarines. Yeah, they're good. They they fight well. They're the, you know, poster boys. But they have more flaws than, than good stuff. Yeah. Or, like, Compared they're, them to they're also the, missing some of that like flavor and personality. Yeah, exactly. Because they're yeah. like painted as the you know quote unquote heroes of the entire series, and then you have the night lords. Yeah, they're fucking violent. They're fucking rude. They're insane. But that's what makes them cool. Because that's what they have. Their, they have like you said, they have their own flavor. They have their own like personality to it. Yeah. But the, I but the, the imperial fists. The reason why I think I like them at the, right now, after this entire discussion, is because they exemplify what it means to be a soldier not not even like a, a marine a space marine but the embodiment of an actual soldier even after uh their primarch died they were still soldiers even they after fought. they literally were destroyed yeah they <laughs> were still rebuilt. soldiers yeah. they will fight to the bitter end and that's what's fun that's what's cool and all the other the leaders after Thorn came after, they were still soldiers. <laughs> I think That's cool. I think though that after we like do if we when we do a Black Templars, I think you might like them. I think you would find them very interesting and kind of memey and fun. I think you of would like them. find them yeah. memey and fun. But yeah, the, these are these are my boys. So, okay. So for the next episode, it'll be Halloween when I release it. We'll record it before then, obviously. Obviously. But we are not going to consult the roulette wheel. Oh, no. And I will also not tell you or the audience what we're doing until the day of the upload. Oh, no. But... I will guarantee that it will be spooky. It will be... There will be lots of skulls and bones. And it will be spooky. And it will fit 
I think it it will fit Halloween very well. The Night Lords. <laughs> night Lords. No, 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 not the Night, night Lords. Lords. You'll see, you'll see. But yeah, thanks for stopping by, Jonas. I'm always here, ready to learn more things. Yeah. About 40k. <laughs> but I hope one day I hope one day we roll on the anime. So it will be so much chaotic. I would not but in, uh but in but in keeping with 40k tradition, it has to be sci-fi anime. Well, I do have some ideas for what we could do for April Fools, but that's like a long time away. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, I'll, when I kill the recording, I'll I'll let you know like some of the ideas I have. <laughs> I want it, I want it to be a surprise for everyone else, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Right. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by, Jonas. And anytime, anywhere. Because I'm single. Oh, the joke. <laughs> for you guys, you guys at home, thank you too for stopping by. Uh, have a good night. Uh, remember, Jonas is single. So shut okay. up! I'm joking. <laughs> All right. Shut up! I'm joking. Till next time. Bye. See ya, friends.